Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hello, everybody, from a rainy afternoon here in the great Hawkeye State. Yeah, I'm going to call us that now, because right now, for the first time in my life, I get to enjoy the Iowa Hawkeyes football team being ranked number two in the country with a little help from the good old Aggies of Texas A&M. But hey, it feels pretty good as a uh, Iowa football fan right now. Got a big win yesterday. Um kind of some crazy circumstances there if you watch the game unfortunate that Penn State's quarterback got hurt not sure it would be the same result if he didn't but hey we'll take the win and hopefully he is back in later this season for them but man feels pretty good and it feels good to finally see some rain and you know what else feels good I'm going hunting today deer hunting people I know it's early October it's probably not you know the best day to go but i have time we've talked about that before that is part of the equation for when you get to go hunting and i have some time this evening to go no i'm not going to go to one of my best spots i'm just going to hit a travel corridor that i know pretty much all times of year that deer can be found on the farm that i'm going to be hunting are using and so hopefully i can sneak in there undetected and who knows what could happen and that also means that yesterday I was able to finally get my heads dialed into a spot where I'm feeling really good about them. It still has to come down to me making the shot, but at least I know now that I am the only variable, not my equipment. So I got to keep practicing all through the season. To be honest with you, that's something I, I didn't do enough of last year. It's like I practiced super hard from like March up until October last year and uh, then I just kind of like stopped shooting during the season and uh, that's something I want to work on this year so I'm going to keep practicing but I'm feeling good enough to get out there tonight last night I did a whole bunch of scent free laundry and uh, you know it's just feeling good to be getting the old hunting tubs back out of course after the big move I got to find everything get everything sorted and separated but man does it feel good to have that on the docket And that's really one of the main, I'm going to say one of the main topics that we're hitting in this episode. We recorded this, oh, about a week and a half ago, and I'm talking we, meaning Alex Grun and I, Jake and Brandon could not join us for this episode of Hunt Therapy because both were busy working. So Alex and I had to uh, uh, do a hunt therapy, just the two of us, and uh, we were joined, though, by a tremendous guest a brand new first-time guest on the show, Mr. Kendall Card of Black Ovis, Camo Fire, and Crispy Boots. Yes, it was quite the interview. In fact, as soon as uh, Alex and I got done recording and uh, bid farewell to uh, uh, Kendall there in the mountain time zone of Utah. I think that's the mountain time zone. I probably shouldn't say things that I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's the mountain time zone. Sorry, Kendall, if I got my time zones off. But uh, as soon as we hung up uh, after the interview, Alex was like texting me. I was texting him like, dude, 
that was awesome so hopefully we can get kendall back on here sometime maybe to give us some tips on mule deer hunting or elk hunting or um you know just anything hunting but we brought him on to talk a little bit about the background of camelfire black ovis and crispy and uh so we're calling this one deer and gear so that's the conversation in this one i'm confident you'll see why alex and i thoroughly enjoyed ourselves recording this one and i think you're going to enjoy yourself listening to it so i'll stop rambling you keep listening let's get on here to episode number 70 here on the first gen hunter podcast another hunt therapy episode featuring mr kendall card Well, Alex, here we are on another episode of Hunt Therapy, and let me tell you, is it ever therapeutic? I'm coming right out of uh, surviving the old Rona and uh, had had a COVID running through the household. Uh, it's been a busy time at week or a busy time at work this week, and um, it's hot again. You know, just when it started to get nice and cool here in Iowa, the winds of uh, Utah, the desert winds of Utah started blowing up here to the uh, northeast, and uh, I'm sweating it out again here <laughs> in my, uh, my uh, little recording room in the second floor of my house, and uh, I tried to turn on the ceiling fan in one of our recent episodes, and uh, it was a bad idea because when I went to edit, all you could hear like in the background, it wasn't super loud, but you just heard the like this thump, 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 like the whole time so uh i'm sweating it out up here in the 90 degree heat of iowa but it's still therapeutic because we're talking hunting i'm getting to talk to my good right. buddy alex gruen who's enjoying his nice cold front there in michigan and Wonderful. a new guest to the show mr kendall card of camo fire and black ovis and crispy who uh is sending us that Utah breeze up here to the uh, Northeast. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me this evening and making my week a little bit better. You bet. Don't, bl- don't blame me for that heat, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a resident. I'm not, I'm not controlling the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes during hunting season, we do wish we could control that. Right. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> we may even hunt like we think we can sometimes when we get real desperate, but, but um, that's kind of what we're going to, we're going to be talking about tonight a little bit. That's going to be the theme of our show. We're talking about what we can control and what we can't control when it comes to hunting. But we also really want to introduce to our listeners who may not already know or who may have heard of it before but haven't checked it out in great enough detail yet. We want to talk to you about the company that uh, uh, Kendall has uh, created and has uh, been, um, you know, really providing, I would, I would view it as this way, providing a service to hunters for uh, quite some time now. And uh, I really want my listeners to, to know what Camel Fire and Black Ovis and Crispy have to offer that uh, I, I've seen very few other companies out there uh, be able to, uh, I guess, pull off with that level of commitment to, uh, you know, finding the sweet spot between uh, cost and quality. So uh, I'm excited to uh, uh, talk about that a little bit more, but, um, you know, before we dive into this too far, um, you know, I was joking around at the beginning about uh, some of the some of the uh, perceived <laughs> hardships, I guess you would say, and uh, something uh, that 
you know, we've talked about on this show in the past because we interviewed uh, this person who really put what it means to endure and what it means to have grit and what it means to enjoy the simple parts of living and living in the moment and not taking any second for granted. That would be Mr. Zach Pulaski of uh, Northern Wisconsin. Um, uh, you may have seen on my social media today. And of course, if you're connected with any of uh, Zach's friends or if any of Zach's friends or family members are tuning in right now, um, Zach uh, uh, finished his race. Um, it's obviously uh, kind of tough to talk about. He, uh, he, uh, uh, finished his fight with cancer, uh, just yesterday, uh, uh, Zach Pulaski passed away and, um, somebody who was uh, not just a legendary whitetail hunter, legendary elk hunter, uh, but somebody who was a legendary person. And you could see that in every interaction that I was able to have in that special project, uh, interviewing his, his friends and family members, uh, for that episode. And, um, just want to, uh, uh, just offer my deepest, sincerest condolences uh, to uh, Zach's wife and his children and uh, all of his uh, friends and, and loved ones uh, uh, left behind. And so uh, I just thought it would be appropriate to maybe take uh, just a couple seconds here for a quiet, reflective moment for uh, Zach to honor him. And then uh, we'll uh, pick up from there. Thank you. Well, speaking of Zach, one of the themes coming out of this and something that is very cool that his uh, friends uh, have pushed, uh, even while Zach was still living, was this uh, really in, a, a really cool project. It was one that Zach kind of came up with on his own. And he said, if I can't do it, do it for me. And he was talking about hunting. And so there is a hashtag on social media that you can use this season. And a lot of guys are uh, riding on the veins of their arrows or uh, maybe on some other gear. Uh, do it for ZP. Okay. So uh, hit that hashtag. If you're going to participate in that, I know I certainly plan to, but just carrying a little bit of Zach into the field with us. Um, if you were following a the story there at the end, Zach uh, was elk hunting in Colorado. That's right. He lives in uh, Wisconsin, and he was out in Colorado, I want to say, two and a half, three weeks ago. Um, his friends took him out there. He was on oxygen the whole time, and uh, he was a part of one last elk camp, and uh, um, certainly somebody who loved li living in the outdoors. So uh, make sure that uh, uh, you jump on board with that. Again, hashtag do it for Z p and uh make sure you share your uh, posts on social media if you uh participate but that's what we're going to focus on tonight zach's favorite thing deer hunting and um started deer seasons right around the corner here and uh <laughs> our uh, new friend here kendall was already rubbing in the fact that down in utah <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's already been able to uh partake so uh gentlemen does that sound good to you guys talk a little bit of deer and uh Deer and gear, I guess we could say for this one. Perfect. I love it. Two things sounds I love like, a ton. Sounds like perfect therapy right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, October 1st is the kickoff here in the, we like to call ourselves the whitetail state of Iowa. And um, uh, we, we got that coming up, but we're in the middle of this 
a little uh, heat wave right now. So uh, I'll be uh, riding out. Plus, I'm still getting my broadheads tuned just how I want them a little bit. Haven't had all the time in the world to do that lately. So I'm going to do that a little bit more on Thursday. Actually, a guy who's going to be kind of almost a new hunting mentor to me, whether he likes it or knows it or not. <laughs> a guy that I moved after I moved it or met after I moved to town here, found out he was a big uh, deer hunter, archery deer hunter. And uh, so he's coming over Thursday to give me a hand with, with tuning and, and everything else. So, uh, but what's going on there in uh, Michigan, first of all, Alex, I mean, is that October 1st too, if I remember correctly? Yeah, we just had some youth season right now kick off and then, uh, yeah, October one, we got, we got the lovely bow season happening. So the, uh, the whitetail Mecca of 105 inch deer will be (laughs) live and well. With everybody out and about losing their minds. <laughs> Spikes and forkies beware. Alex is on, oh, Alex is hanging from a tree out. near you. <laughs> Button bucks beware. Alex oh my is coming. God. <laughs> Man, that here, could be, here if it's that, if that it's brown, t- it's down. That's right. <laughs> that, that could be a that could be a, a t shirt. Button bucks beware. You know, the guys the guys over at uh <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a sweet. Kendall's making those shirts, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh, I got a guy that's already printing them. Don't worry about that. He'll be on Camel Bar next week. I love it. All right. Well. You can do the you can Look do the out. you can do the Michigan mitten that you guys all use to describe oh, yeah. where you're from in the background and have button bucks beware right over top of that. I like that. Yeah. Oh man, no. So deer season's coming around the corner here, but uh, Kendall, can you uh, kind of fill us in on how deer season gets kicked off there in Utah? Dude, it Utah Utah's lame. I gotta tell you that. <laughs> like, don't for, go if you're to bo- Utah, if, people. <laughs> if you're a bow hunter and you you live in Utah, it's you're you're literally second class citizen in my opinion because wow, deer season starts the middle of August and. Ooh. It's hotter than hot. It, it, so it, it's all about pattern and essentially early morning and evening because nothing moves during the day. I mean, heat waves are terrible for glassing. Um, it, it's rough. And of course, there's 10 gajillion people all running around in short sleeve t-shirts. But uh, it, it's, yeah, deer season's rough. Uh, but, for the record, the deer that I that I killed this year so far was was a Colorado buck, high country. Oh, so that okay. was oh, okay. uh, it was it was a different uh, scenario. And it's not that we don't have high country here in Utah; it's just it's a completely different uh, experience. But uh, yeah, by the time bow season gets over, and bow season technically bow season's over here in Utah, it's done. We're we've already put a put a lid on that. But fortunately, right outside of Salt Lake, where I I work in Salt Lake and live east of east of the mountains. We have a zone called the extended archery, and we can hunt deer until December first. So, and wow. it's it's a little combat hunting because uh, I mean there are dudes everywhere. Um, hmm. But hunting the front, as we call it, is uh, it's it's a treat to be able to bow hunt almost as well, probably a little longer than you guys. So I it's yeah, you know, yeah. Mo, but most Western states are pretty jealous of uh, of y'all back there in the in the <laughs> Midwest. Because your season is so long. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, everybody in the Midwest wants to be out West and everybody out West <laughs> is jealous of the Midwest. And then yeah. that's just how it works. Like the yep. grass is always greener. I know. <laughs> yep. I know. And you guys get it. I mean, literally one deer a year, you know, you don't get a doe tag of this and that. 
I yeah. go to Kentucky, I go to Kentucky every year for whitetail in uh, in second week of, oh, there of you November, go. and yeah. it's just a whack and stack. We you know one buck and what five or six does, and yeah. it's my all my friends on here are like, you do what? <laughs> and I'm, like, yep. I'm testing broadheads, arrows. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's awesome. Like, that's that's it. my rundown on Utah, but Utah's hey, rough uh, from Kendall, from this you, time. Did you do the uh, Colorado like early rifle, the high uh, the high alpine hunt? No, I, I it was archery. Yeah, I'm a oh, I'm a bow hunter. Okay. Yeah, I I have I can't. It's been about ten years since I shot a deer with a uh, with a rifle. So nice. Okay. Uh, not that I wouldn't. I might, I might next year, I might team up with uh, a friend of mine at, uh, uh, up in Wyoming. Um, I can't remember the name of the gunworks. He works for gunworks. Oh yeah. Okay. And so we'll, uh, he, we've kind of been throwing around doing a, doing a backpack, uh, uh, rifle deer hunt, uh, cause I should nice. draw next year, but I'm, I'm a bow hunter. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, fair. I was that's just only asking cause I, I, I've, I've, kind of teetered on getting that early rifle or still doing a bow hunt for mule deer out there because i have enough points now i was more curious on your experience because that the, that early rifle is appealing yet i know it's a very difficult hunt for a lot of folks that muzzy hunt yeah uh, the muzzleloader hunt if you if you have a muzzleloader access to one uh that because mm-hmm. you're you're still in the high country the some deer have rubbed some haven't and and they haven't basically abandoned high country and gone into timber and that's why the first, uh, in my opinion, the first rifle hunt is hard because you get them in that transition phase. Hmm. Um, yeah. But man, if you've got points and you don't mind grabbing a muzzleloader and you, you know, just you're going to decrease your distance of uh, of of killable uh, distance, that that's that's one not to overlook, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I did one in Nevada three years ago with a muzzy. Kind of same deal. I mean, only good till about 150 yards, but it changes the game as far as you know, where they are, mm-hmm. you know, so. there's something just, there's just something to hunt with a muzzle loader. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I have like old Western music, like <laughs> playing in my head the whole time I'm hunting, you know, I'm like, man, I'm doing this the right way. You know, I'm like hatchet Jack here in uh uh good old, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, you know, this gun, <laughs> this gun killed the bar that killed me or whatever he says. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I like hunting with a muzzle loader and, uh, yeah, I have a lot of interest in doing that out west sometime. Taking a taking a muzzleloader out there and uh, tasting and seeing uh, what what exactly uh, I could I could get done with a muzzleloader in the place where you know it's almost like they were meant for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's uh I think it is a cool opportunity to consider. And uh, I'm gonna add that to your tag applications, Kent. I'm typing it up right now. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Points for next year. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh no, I, uh, I, I'm actually going to be, you know. So I guess my turn to talk about Iowa. What's going on here? As I just said, we're kind of in the middle of a, a bit of a hot, hot point here. So uh, now that I live on my happy hunting grounds, uh, I'm not going to oh, be. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty nice, but I'm going to have to have some serious self-control. You know, uh, last time Alex and I recorded, um, that episode hasn't dropped yet, by the way. I got to edit it still. But uh, um, there, you might hear some points where I sound kind of distracted. It's because the window that I sit in front of while I record, I can look out at this piece of timber. And uh, there are all these deer just running around out there. And I'm sitting here oh talking goodness. to Alex with my binoculars up to my face. <laughs> and and uh, uh, just enjoying that. But no, I'll be. A you need hun- one of those tables. One of those. One of those tables. Like we have. We black Ovis, We built a tripod that's for sitting, so it's not very tall. And you just need to like put it right there on your desk. <laughs> you can still talk and just bring your eyes right up to the binos, uh, no hands and everything. That'd be classic. That's awesome. <laughs> the, the problem with that is if I see the right deer, all of a sudden I might be gone from the other line. <laughs> But uh, it's, there's some uh, there's some nice ones running around here for sure. But um, I'm hunting the early muzzleloader this year in, in Iowa. You get well, you can get two firearm tags, two firearm season tags, if you hunt um, the late muzzleloader season as well. Um, but you only get one buck uh, tag for for a. Uh, um, firearm season so you get a one archery buck tag one uh firearm buck tag and uh, i'm using my buck tag here in the early muzzleloader season because uh got baby girl number two baby number three uh coming in uh december right in the heart of uh the regular uh firearm season here in iowa so uh, i gotta get my work in early so i can uh, be ready to uh increase my fatherly duties here pretty quick so uh, i'll be poor a- planning bro that's poor <laughs> planning. <laughs> you gotta plan these things you know what's gonna happen for the next 15 oh. 20 years it's birthdays bro yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't do that to yourself <laughs> i was i was when when we found out she was coming, I was like counting the months. And I'm like, oh no, is this gonna end up in a rut? <laughs> uh, sorry to my future da- daughter, by the way, if she ever uh, listens to this. You are far more important than deer season, but it is nice to uh, be able to enjoy uh, both. <laughs> but no, so uh, I'll be uh, I'll be hunting that early muzzy this year, and I've hunted it in the past, and it is a fun time. You know, it's cool. You got crops coming out all around you, and deer are doing a little bit different things, and. And uh, honestly, the biggest whitetail I have ever seen in my life. I mean, this includes driving down the road. Uh, and I don't know what else to include. Roadkill bucks laying on the side of the road or something. <laughs> this was the biggest deer I have ever seen in my life was during this season. Uh, just <laughs> this monster. And of course, you know. I was hunting with my muzzleloader and I was frustrated because I hadn't seen anything all night. So I already took my, my primer out and I'm walking back and all of a sudden there he is <laughs> and uh, didn't work oh, out. No. But, but uh, so I'm, I'm excited to hunt this early season. I think it'll be a lot of fun, but we so let me to- get this straight. If I if I can jump in, you were saying you can get two tags, but only if you hunt the set, the late. Oh yeah. I should clarify that. You're right. Muzzleloader. It's like a like you serve penance and then you get the two rifle tags. <laughs> no, so you you get one, you get one, uh, <laughs> you get one awesome. fire. I'm just trying to understand. I mean, here in Utah, it's like one tag, one season. There you go. There, there aren't there aren't too many red tape and hoops to jump through, but it sounds like Iowa's a little more complicated. Yes, yes, it it is a little bit complicated. So you get one 
one the best way to explain it, you get one archery and one one firearm buck tags. So you mm. get a total of okay. two buck tags. Now, if you're a landowner and you can hunt on your own land, then you can get a third buck tag for either of those. So the vast majority of people, they only get two buck tags. Well, late muzzleloader, I've hunted that season before too. Um, but it's just a little bit tougher season. Uh, the farms mm. that I have access to, they are uh, excellent early season farms. Uh, one farm is an excellent rut farm. And really, it's an excellent guns, like that early December gun season farm. But then when it gets really cold, the areas that typically hold deer on that farm, uh, they just don't offer the the thermal advantage that deer are looking for in that time of year. You know, that those south-facing slopes, the, you know, cedar trees and, and uh, you know, any kind of like uh, other coniferous tree that, you know, evergreen tree that's going to offer that better uh, protection from the wind. They just kind of vacate those farms. And so I, I've definitely hunted it for for uh doe tags you know you can get an antlerless tag so that's how you get that second tag is it's an antlerless tag mm, so gotcha. now my brother jake because of the way his work schedule is he usually hunts that late muzzleloader season with a buck tag um but like i said just where where we hunt it's a little bit tougher season so i like the early muzzleloader season though it's it's uh and it works out this year uh, it has to work out this year <laughs> I think I'd be in a perpetual doghouse if I uh, <laughs> if I pushed my luck on that one. So, Jeez, man. yep. Pressure's so on. that's right. That's right. Either either that, or you could probably you might be able to plan it for those uh, like like three or four days after the baby arrives when the mother in law shows <laughs> oh, yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Like you got this oh. for about forty eight hours. I'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> there's there's two there's two ways that could work. There's some that, strategy there. That, that's right. That could go root. Re- <laughs> you know, really well if she didn't care or I could have two people put me in the doghouse if, uh, oh, man. It if could it be didn't trouble. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Do you get on. to go hunt if you're in the doghouse? Uh, you're you know, exiled, I might, right? I might, might actually, well be out in the tree. I might, I might, <laughs> I might become the hunted when, if I was in the doghouse. So <laughs> uh, it might be open uh, season awesome. on me. But uh, it, it would uh, it would definitely uh, be a stress that I don't want to add to the to the situation. Plus, you know, brand new babies. That's about mm-hmm. the only time they sleep. You know what I mean? And yeah. then after like that, that one week, two week window, that's when you really find out what kind of uh, what kind of experience the next six months are going to be. <laughs> well, you know, all this talk about muzzleloaders today. Every day, when I, it's one of my ways I wake up in the morning. I hit the old Camelfire app, and I get on there, and I see what the daily deals are that come rolling in. And it's it gives me this. I, I got to say, there's a little bit of a dopamine dump there when I uh, when I hit that uh, when I hit that Camel Fire app, and I get to see what's uh, what's been loaded up fresh and new that day. And today was one of my favorite days. Not that I ended up buying anything today because I already got a muzzle loader that works just fine. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I just like to dream when I look at them. It is a CVA muzzle loader day, my favorite, uh, my favorite brand of muzzle loader. Um, mm-hmm. They just, as they say, it's just a better gun. They do, they are so innovative. And uh, the, again, the price point is uh, just right there. 
and the the price with quality it's just right there and um i like how they're constantly uh, you know how you know how some companies they can almost and kendall i'm sure you see this a lot more than than uh i'm even alluding to here as a science teacher uh but sometimes you just notice how companies can almost like they get comfortable when they're at the top. You know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. you can just see like the creativity kind of stagnate and, and uh, you know, they just, they just kind of stop. But CVA, I'm always blown away with how they're constantly pushing it. They're, they're coming out with new stuff. They're they're the, you know, people they bring on board to, to uh, represent, you know, it's just, it's really cool to, to, to see them keep trying, I guess is what I'm saying. But all that to say today was a CVA day on one of my favorite company sites, good old Camel Fire. And uh, it just was so fitting. Cause it was like, Hey, we're going to talk to the guy who uh, thought all this up all that time ago. And, uh, it, uh, it, it even made it into my story today on Instagram. I always try to, whenever it's a CVA day, give that post that to get all my, uh, followers Dude, out you. there to, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Love doing it. And, uh, um, the, the, I guess, timeliness of it to bring you on here. So the, the reason I think Camelfire is such a great company to uh, talk about with, uh, my audience here at First Gen Hunter is because when you are a new hunter, and Alex, I know uh, enough of your story that you did a little bit of hunting with your dad um, before he passed away, and uh, then after that, you really kind of had to, you know, pursue it yourself. And mm-hmm. um, sorry if it gets a little loud here, guys. I got a combine that's about to drive by my house. <laughs> yes, I'm in Iowa, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> perfect <laughs> that's right but uh we know you're legit that's right you know i'm not just faking it you know so uh so i'm not podcasting from my mom's basement but uh from manhattan <laughs> that's right that's right so uh no i think uh alex you can relate to this being a first gen hunter that starting at square zero on so many things not just like hunting knowledge not just mm-hmm. even places where to hunt but actually having the stuff to hunt with Mm-hmm. A, a company like Camo Fire is is a uh, huge advantage. Yeah, for sure. I, I think as a as a new hunter, you know, I, I think when we look seven, ten, fifteen years down the road and you've you've kind of figured out most of your equipment, I think I think gear is just fun as it is, right? You just constantly mm. want to get more and upgrade and there's just something addictive to it. But <laughs> dopamine uh, but dump. Every, everybody's <laughs> Dude, it really is. It's just, it's just fun. Yep. But uh, Camel Fire was like the perfect uh, segue slash like connection uh, that I found because it, it gave you really good prices. It gave you great products. And you also didn't feel like you were uh, investing too much into it until you kind of figured out what you really liked. So uh, I definitely use it as, as, a, as a first gen just getting started. Uh, and I, I, hell, I, I still look on there uh, quite a bit on what's going on. Like today, I saw your CVA thing, you know, and I have two <laughs> muzzle loaders, but uh, yeah, you're like, it's tempting. Pull the trigger. Part <laughs> two is good, three is better. That's right. That's, it, that's right. <laughs> you can always have one more, right? But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, I, I think all new hunters that kind of start into, into hunting and trying to figure out their gear, like just, Camel fire is a great option. And, 
uh, it's just it's really good products too you know uh, name brand stuff and then if you kind of segue into black ovis i mean you really kind of get the pick of the litter like uh I, i'm a big fan of the merino uh, mm. the base layers mm. that's a that's a great product that you guys have so oh thank you yeah camouflage is uh, the gateway drug if you will for uh <laughs> for new hunters yeah, that's right yeah. that's right but uh it's been it's it's been pretty rad. It's been fun. It's cool to hear you guys' interactions with with what we've done and 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 you know both the, the timelines that you guys have had as well as your you know how you perceive it because I'm I'm sitting next to the Kool Aid stand so it's it's hard to really gauge the 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 impact as well as the value that it brings to other to to other people. So I'm it's it's cool to hear your perspectives. How did, how did you kind of, you know, you can't, I don't know if you have this as, as a docket, but I'm more curious to like, how did you get the idea behind Camel Fire? Uh, interestingly enough, it was not my idea. It was my business partner, Mark. Um, I had, I had been working for backcountry.com, uh, for a few years here in Utah and they had just launched a website called steep and cheap and yep. And my, and I, I had left working there. I was doing some contract work for them and I, I called my friend Mark and said, and I, he and I, I had always wanted to start a business and all, and I always thought he'd be a perfect candidate to, hmm. to try and pursue doing something with. And, and I called him, we talked about a half a dozen different ideas. And then he said, you know what I really want to do? I want to do a steep and cheap, but for hunting. And one deal at, you know, at the time it was one deal at, at a time, only one yeah. deal per day. Once it sold out, it sold out. It was gone. <laughs> oh, wow. And then we had guys that, that emailed us and called us and said, Hey, I want more deals. And so we did back to back deals where if it sold out at, let's say 1130, another deal would come in behind. And then every night it would reset. Then mm-hmm. we went, we had a, a kid that worked for us that, that now works for Gunworks actually. And he had the idea, why don't we put six deals up there? Hmm. And then we expanded to 20 and then we expanded to like 50 and now we're at 80 and I don't know if we'll go deeper. Um, I might have sure. to buy another warehouse, but, uh, <laughs> he, uh, so it was, it was his idea and I, I actually poo pooed it initially. I thought, nah, man, that's, see, there aren't enough hunters on the internet. I mean, how ignorant was that? But, uh, <laughs> this is a 2007 is no, nah, there's not enough hunters on the internet to make a go at this. And, and I, and I was, and then after a few days of thinking and poking around, uh, cause I was more embedded into the hunting, into the ski and, and climbing industries at that point sure. of my mm-hmm. life. And I, I, I called him up and said, dude, I think you're on something. And if that's still like an open, open invitation, I'm in, he goes, yeah, I've actually got three other guys that, uh, that want to participate. So if you're in, you better hurry. And ultimately, through a series of of of, in, of of circumstances, after about a year, um, Mark and I were the last guys standing, and uh, and we just said, let's make a run at this. And hmm. and so yeah, it was it was really his idea, but we we kind of fostered uh, you know over a year the the site creation, and and it almost didn't launch, quite frankly. And 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 that's that's half the battle with with any business is is taking it from idea to execution is mm. is a giant hurdle and then the i mean it shouldn't have been a shocker to me but as an owner of a website that once you turn it on it will never ever turn off again mm. um i mean i worked for an e-com website and i and and but i also went home and didn't think about that sort of thing but yeah. i remember i remember the night we turned this thing on 
and I was, you know, we're high fiving and this and that. And, and a good friend of mine, she bought the first item. I think she just, she didn't even hunt. She just was kind. Um, sure. And I, I had the thought, good, good heavens, what have we done? This thing will net, this thing never goes to sleep. <laughs> it's always awake and there could be issues at any, t- you know, so. Right. It's been a, it's been an interesting ride and a lot of interesting realizations early on. But our passion, originally and it still is today, is let's go find the raddest deals, the most amazing, like the best gear we can find, and you know we'll do a, a small markup and pass the rest along to to the customer, and mm-hmm. make it compelling enough that guys will talk about it and come back. And that that was been the that's the kind of the 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 mantra from day one and it still is you know even if we get a ridiculous buy on something it still is hey i know we could probably make more money but this is our model we're going to market up this to keep the wheels turning pay the bills and pay pay the you know the employees and we're going to we're going to we'll turn those faster we'll get more guys stoked about a deal and we'll move on you know so that's why the 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 deals vary in range is because we're just trying to make it fit and uh and pass them on now that cva stuff is brand new and it, i'm psyched to have cva on the site it's been it's been awesome yeah yeah i i think uh and i've i've followed camel fire for a couple of years now pretty pretty you know religiously just every day checking and i think the first time i noticed it was earlier this summer but maybe it had been on mm-hmm. you know before nope. then but when i you, saw that you it probably was, picked it up right when we got it right when we first got it, it was this year yeah and i was i was blown away by the uh volume that you guys had i mean it wasn't just like one muzzle loader and then you know a few components for you know like extra ramrod or cleaning jag or something no it was it was like you know <laughs> five different you know models of muzzle loader plus all the other cleaning stuff and and extra parts i was really really excited to see you guys were all in with them and 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 working with them uh just just because i i love that that company so much and love using their stuff. And so, yeah, that, that, that's really cool how it all, you know, hearing that little bit of backstory. Now, one thing I've always wondered, the name camo fire, uh, where did, where did that come from? <laughs> so that's a, that's interesting. I don't have there. In fact, you're the first person in a long time that's asked me that. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I worked at back, you know, just a quick, you know, history on that. When I worked at Backcountry, um, there was a guy there named Dustin, and his branding philosophy, he was a marketing director, and his brand philosophy in naming companies, and they ended up they ended up launching a handful of websites, um, and all they all had kind of basically strange names. And and so we decided that we and so I I kind of adapted that and said, we want to create something, a name that means nothing to anyone. There's nothing that someone if someone hears camel fire. And I have guys that think, think that I'm saying camel, like a camel's back. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. camo, like camouflage. <laughs> the only thing that would you would assume anything is is camo would be short for camouflage. So you might think, okay, it's either military or hunting. Um, right. But we wanted a name that was catchy, that was short, uh, and that the URL was available. And also one that uh, that we could develop the brand around rather than someone having like a preconceived idea of what they would expect. So if you had a, if you had a store, for example, that's like Bob sporting goods, you'd be, Oh yeah, there's going to be X, Y, Z items in that, in Bob sporting goods. And, and we didn't want to be kind of 
pigeonholed into a particular uh, genre other than being able to create our own brand. So and that's that's why we also call it Black Ovis. I mean, Black Ovis, uh, Ovis is the genus name for sheep, and and we thought Black mm-hmm. Ovis, you know, being the black sheep was a little catchy. Ah, I but like sheep it. hunting, sheep hunting is kind of that pinnacle of 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 what North American hunters would aspire as a dream as the ultimate yeah. dream hunt. So Black Ovis was again another another name that meant nothing to anyone, but we could develop a brand around it with a little bit of a back backstory that was kind of catchy, or we wanted to be a little bit different than what what anyone else was was doing. So that yeah. whole, that's a long answer to a very no 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 no. Uh, I'm really glad I asked this question. Yeah, I've I've always wondered, and I wondered about the Black Ovis name as well. And so uh, that's that's uh, really cool to to hear. Oh, man, I should I feel. As a as a science teacher, I feel ashamed that I didn't uh, catch up on the Ovis part of the name there. That's that is, <laughs> oh, that is, that is uh, yeah, that is. I give you a B minus for for today. So <laughs> improvement is needed. <laughs> but I was going to ask you, Alex, do you, since you've been following Camel Fire for a long time, do you happen to remember? And it's interesting because it's come full circle. But back. A long time ago, we had, uh, we had when we, I think it was when we first launched the app, but actually it was, you know, it was before that we had text alerts. Do you remember? Yep. Okay. I used to get them every morning. And they, and, and when you'd get them, I think we had it. So we were like, um, when you load the page, I, I actually, I'm thinking the original app, it would like do a shotgun, like, but yep. we used oh, to send those text awesome. messages and this company in here in Utah, that was, now it's it's kind of becoming more popular where where brands are sending text messages to to consumers, and back yeah. in the day, this company we absolutely crushed their capabilities, and uh, we we would I don't know about you, but we'd have because our our deals go live at 11 p.m. Uh, Utah time, Mountain time. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know how many guys signed up for it thinking this is going to be fantastic, and then in short order they would email or call and say, y'all got to take me off that list because my wife thinks I've got someone texting me in the middle of the night when the deals come out. And he goes, or it's waking me up. My wife's all just upset because my phone's going off like every couple hours all through the night when all the new deals come out. You guys guys were uh, the original Jake from State Farm, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's good, man. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought about the, the, the wife thing, but my phone's always like on, on uh, do not disturb. But I, I do recall that cause I was, I was living in Colorado at the time when, um, when I was starting to shop with you guys. And so I didn't, I guess the timing didn't bother me. I would actually wait around to like midnight just to yeah. you know get on there kind of a thing. Cause I was like, Oh, I like, I, I don't want to wake up at eight in the morning and half your stuff sold out mm-hmm. um, or whatever mm-hmm. it was that was sold out. Cause I knew you would have like, certain days you'd have sick on there or whatever you'd have. So I would be like patiently waiting. Cause I didn't want to pay full price for, for whatever it was. Heck no. Um, but, um, but your first, you know, and, and uh, you know, just as an, as a, as a customer point of view, your first go around with the app was not, uh, oh. not enjoyable on my end. I actually it was bad. I deleted it and I went back to your website. Cause I was like, the website is so much better because, I, I like couldn't see certain things and it drove me nuts. And I'm like, I want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did, we did battle with the app store. It was, uh, it was rough, but yeah, it's, you know, and, and that's, I don't know. That's just, 
our philosophy, our philosophy in business has always been like, you know, we're not going to hit home runs every, every time. Mm. And if you screw something up, you just, you, you forge forward, you, you, you make it happen. Mm -hmm. If otherwise you just fold your tent and like go home and then then you're like, you always wonder what could have been right. Right. Yeah. What we have now is just awesome. So like, just think about where it's at now, you know, like it's, it's crazy. I mean, I'm on there all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And my we're, my we're daughter's got braces, so we appreciate that. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, as, oh, as, I, as I listen to this, you know, just hearing the evolution of the company. And um, to me, it sounds like if I'm reading between the lines correctly, which I often don't do. <laughs> I, I, I was starting to tell you about how I kind of shoved my foot in my mouth here recently before we started recording, mm-hmm. Kendall. I didn't even finish that whole story, but. But um, <laughs> it's too painful. But uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm reading between the lines too much here. And uh, it's did did you used to be more of like a climbing and skiing guy than a hunting guy, or and then kind of you know start as you're going into the hunting industry with your company? Did you become? Did you, did you? Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll pick up on this more. Or was it always? You know, was was hunting always right there for you as as one of your you know favorite ways to spend time that you could spend? No, that's a great question. I I I grew up uh, in the first experiences I had in the outdoors were were hunting and Boy Scouts, and hmm. so. Uh, but hunting was what introduced me to the mountains and to the outdoors, and okay. then. I gravitated towards skiing, became a ski instructor in high school, and then kind of I just did just had a, a lofty desire to climb mountains and got into climbing. And I, I kind of drifted away from hunting, and and I, I I never I never abandoned it. It just wasn't a priority. I hunted a couple times, like in my twenties and early thirties, and it wasn't until I moved from Park City, Utah, which is very much ski town. And, uh, and moved to a, a smaller town called Camas, which is about 2000 people. And it's right at the base of the mountains. Um, and everyone in my neighborhood, everyone I associated with in that town hunted. And I thought, man, I loved hunting growing up. Mm. I mean, I, I was like Christmas, Christmas was second, second place opening day of hunting deer hunting season was my Christmas every year. And so I kind of had these ponderings of, I want to, I, I should get back into hunting and my, my boys were pretty young. And so, yeah, uh, in that coin, that next year was when, uh, I think it was a year and a half later that Mark and I started talking about this business. And so this, it was a natural, I mean, you know, natural progression. And then I got into bow hunting, uh, that first year of camel fire existence. So oh, 12, very cool. this is, this is year 12, I think for me with a bow. Cool. And, but so, yeah, it was, it was, I was much, much more interested in climbing. In fact, I'm going climbing tonight with my son at the rock gym. Oh, um, very nice. So I still get out and climb a bit and backcountry ski. I don't do the resort so much, but, uh, but hunting, anyone that knows me, hunting is, is consuming my life, uh, for, <laughs> you know, pretty much the entire year. I think about it and, and want to oh, do yeah. it. Yep. We're in, you're in, uh, you're in a like company here. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always, uh, it's always on the forefront of the brain, but, uh, no, that's, uh, that's uh, really cool to hear how that's all kind of interwoven and, and, um, 
your other interests. You know, it's, it's kind of almost the reverse for me. I didn't do the rock climbing, but I did do quite a bit of backpacking with my dad out West. Oh, and, yeah. and, uh, we do, uh, you know, big canoeing and portaging trips up in, in Northern Minnesota and stuff like that near the boundary water area. And, and, uh, all basically, you know, fishing, all that, but, but, uh, kind of everything around hunting, but it kind of set me up to get into hunting when, you know, the time was there where I could, you know, start calling, start calling my own shots, so to speak, you know, where I could, I could, you know, really get into it. It didn't feel, it didn't feel as, as foreign to you as maybe someone that was straight up city dweller getting into yeah. hunting. Yeah. And, and that, that was kind of my experience. Cause I, I, I saw, I, I actually saw this guy, I was out, I was out road biking. I like to road bike a lot too. And I saw this guy and then like a couple weeks later, I saw this guy in church and I'm all, Hey, you're that guy from, uh, that I saw on the bike, you know, up on the mountain pass. <laughs> and we started chatting. He's like, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm a big bow hunter and I'm going backpack bow hunting, uh, you know, here in a couple weeks. And I pretty much invited myself and I can't believe he even <laughs> consented, but I said, dude, I, I've done backpacking, climbing. I hunted as a kid. Uh, I'm like, dude, I'm already set up for all that. I had the stove, I had the backpack, I had the tent, I had the. So the my transition, probably similar to yours, as you started, was like getting into backpack hunting. That was that was a like no brainer. That was yeah. super easy. Uh, and then I already had a you know a love affair with gear, so that was like, <laughs> no, this is a match made in heaven. Right. And then I, yeah. I wore, I wore solid colors and he was all camo. And I said, dude, I'll carry your tripod and spotting scope. And I basically, tr you know, trailed him around for three days. And I don't, I mean, I still can't believe he, he has consented and we're, that's who I hunt in Colorado with. We're, uh, we're hunting partners now. And so, wow, that's fantastic. That, but, awesome. but all those, all those things, like you were saying, backpacking, any outdoor activity like that or time in the mountains translates so easily to anyone that is has an interest in, in getting into hunting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think it's yep. important to keep that in mind because, you know, I think sometimes there, and it's from the negative side of, of the hunting community out there, you know, we hunters can act like know-it-alls that, you know, are, Oh, if you haven't been doing this, like we've been doing it, don't even yeah. bother, you know? And, and that's so far from the truth, you know, it, there's so many skills that people already have that, like you said, that would translate very nicely into hunting and, uh, skills that you can enjoy, um, even outside of hunting season, you know, there, there isn't mm -hmm. a set camping season. There isn't a set backpacking season. You know, you can, you can enjoy that stuff year round and, uh, all over our great country. So I think, uh, I think that's a, a great point you bring up. Well, you know, we've talked those, about it. Those are all oh. called, uh, scouting seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right you got everything well except for the bow I'm, I'm or the scouting. rifle with you yeah yeah right right oh man good point touche yep you're right you're right yeah we, we we cannot get it off our brains can we but no we've we talked about a little bit we talked about black ovis and um i think we've kind of defined that well um uh, as to as to what black ovis is in comparison to camel fire you know as you get more established and you're looking at maybe fine-tuning your uh your gear lineup uh 
Black Opus is a huge advantage there as well. Just the 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 steep discounts that already exist on a lot of uh, just the best quality gear that exists for not just hunting, but being in the outdoors, tons of camping gear, um, uh, tons of backpacking gear. Uh, I think you guys do have some climbing gear on there too, isn't there? If, if I'm not mistaken. Nope, you are mistaken. We do oh. not have climbing gear. <laughs> we have a little bit. We're actually... We're getting it. We're working with a climbing company to create some uh, some kits of like you know cordage, like good cordage, oh, not yeah. that junk that, that you buy at the hardware store sure. so much. Um, but no, no climbing gear outside of uh, what we're working on with that. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, I guess Black Ovis has almost everything. Yeah, Black Ovis <laughs> is, is basically everything except for the weapon uh, and ammo. Yeah. You know, so yeah. anything bow related that is not a bow that goes on a bow or gets, you know, thrown from the bowl is traje- trajectory, yeah. uh, and anything for a rifle hunt that is not a, the, the ammo or the weapon itself. And then, yeah, we, we discount anything that can be discounted. There's opportunities for price, but a lot, a lot of it is price is stuff that's price driven by the manufacturer and it's just mm. highest quality of, of yeah. products available. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, the other company that you guys have created, which, um, I am, uh, excited to, uh, get my hands on or my feet into rather are a, uh, pair of crispy boots eventually. Mm. And, uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit how that came to be? Yeah. So we, um, we're the second distributor here in North America for, uh, for crispy boots. Um, we had had a relationship with the guy that was the first distributor. And I describe him, uh, I liked him. Uh, we had a good working relationship. We had bought a lot of uh, Gore-Tex uh, Realtree product from him early on in Camel Fire's uh, existence. Um, he had a brand that when Sportsman's went under and the, and the recession happened, he lost a lot of money and had mm. a ton of inventory. So we, we bought all this inventory for a handful of years sure and then he told us about crispy we um so we we had sold a, uh, a run of crispy on camel fire as kind of a market test for him and, yeah. and then he's he's like oh man this is going to be awesome and then we launched black ovis and i tried to get him to sell me boots for black ovis and he's like no i've already sold them all so the next year we came back and said hey i want to sell some boots uh, he ended up saying like, Hey, I've already committed all the boots I ordered. If you really want to do, you know, get some boots, you're going to have to place another factory order and it the minimums X. And he said, but I can probably put you in with two other, uh, uh, dealers that want to sell the boots. And he said, but you have to prepay because I have to prepay at the factory. And, you know, not being a stranger to manufacturing, we had done that clothing brand core for element. Um, and you know, we now black Ovis, we make our own Merino, uh, line and, mm-hmm. and a few other mm-hmm. products. I said, oh, okay, that's, it's a little odd, but no, it's not that odd. So we, we fronted the money for that. He came back to me a couple of days later, as I recall, and said, Hey, uh, these other guys won't, won't front the money. They're not used to doing manufacturing business manufacturing. Um, will you guys basically loan me the money for this? And, and then once they pay their POs, I'll pay you back, uh, with, with some interest nights, you know? Yeah. So my business partner and I, we, we, we just, instead of doing like product money because we were lending, we or our company money. We just said, Hey, let's just use our savings, fronted him the money. We gave him the money and then, you know, I had to wait four or five months. So 
when time came for us to get boots, I was like, Hey, where's the boots? He's like, Oh, I'm having a little trouble with the Italians. Mm. They're on vacation for the month, month of August. Okay. Okay. I'll be over there shortly. And then a couple weeks later, calling back, Hey, he's like, oh, I just got back from Italy. We're trying to sort it out. Um, this and that. And I'm like, okay, just, just keep me posted. And then, I mean, excuse after excuse after excuse. And then uh, ultimately, he just went radio silent. Uh, and wow. and come to find out, I called Italy. I finally got the gumption, called Italy, talked to their sales manager and said, hey, um, we just want our boots. Like, just get us our boots. And they're like, no, we don't. They're like, what are you talking about? We're like, well, he was just there a couple months ago. And then, like, he hasn't been here in about a year and a half. We cut him off about five months ago. Whoa. And he's no longer our distributor. And we're like, well, we ordered these boots and they, they, oh man, I, re, I remember they go, you haven't paid for those, have you? And I said, yeah, we paid for those and all the boots for these other two companies on the PO. And they said, we never even got a PO from him. Um, and we're just, oh. they were sick about it. So our money was what gone, terrible they all- had no boots. Um, oh. My business partner was was a little beside himself because I was kind of the person that said, "Hey, I was of the two of us, I was the one that said, "Hey, we should do this." Um, and he and he, so I went over to Italy. Uh, that was December. I went over to Italy first of April, um, and the intent was I'm going to go over there. I'm going to work out a way that we can buy a bunch of boots at a discount, and they were going to work with us. I was kind of helping them a little bit with putting out some fires from individuals as well as other dealers. And then he, uh, got over there and I said, man, I can't, I can't do this. I can't buy a slew of boots, come home, sling them on camel fire at a discount. And ha- even though we would make our money back immediately, I, I just, I, I called Mark said, we can't do it, man. Uh, I think, I think there's a bigger opportunity here, but I said the, the bottom line is this is the family's business. And this brand name is their is their livelihood, and if we diminish the brand name by just basically making it a discounted brand, I said, man, I don't I don't think that's right. And he's like, oh man, I feel you, but what about our money? And I said, I know, I know, just hang. And he's and he was just beside because he's like, I wish I would have come over there. And I'm like, dude, you gotta trust me on this. And uh, I came back and I I basically went to work with them. Uh, doing all these, like, you know, if there was a warranty issue, I was keeping a log of it. And then we ordered a bunch of boots and helped replace. And I told him, I said, we've got a good reputation as Camel Fire and Black Ovis. I really think that we can help you. I said, I'm committed to helping you because they just felt helpless. Yeah. Um, got this guy's website shut down because he was still selling boots to people and taking their money and not shipping boots. People, no. that, had shipped, people that had sent boots back for warranty. They just went into a black hole. Uh, he contacted a couple of dealers and said, hey, Crispy's going out of business. Why don't you send me your boots? I'll send you a check for them, and and I'll take care of the boots. He never sent the money. Um, it was a mess. And that following December, Mark and I went back over there, and they they said, hey, listen, we've had a handful of people approach us that want to be a distributor in North America but you guys have earned it and it was pretty much a handshake at that point. We now have a, have a signed contract, but, um, the founder just said, man, you, you guys have protected our family and our name. And, uh, and so, yeah, kind of, it's a cool story and I love to tell it because, um, 
it there was not a guarantee when i went to italy and came home there was nothing guaranteed that we would get that opportunity it was simply i just wanted to do what's right for them and i and i knew yeah. that my mom always says I've always been one for the underdog, and so I I all I knew that they were in a tight spot, yeah. with their brand and their family and their name, and I said, man, I have the ability to help, and I'm gonna. And it became kind of my part time job, and I remember we had discussions like, man, you're spending a lot of time with this crispy thing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know, I'm just helping them out, like it, we're gonna. And it was about two and a half years later, two two and a half years later that we finally paid ourselves back after. The business wow. was was rolling, and we we had enough to kind of kind of yeah. recompensate ourselves. But yeah, yeah. pretty pretty interesting. Wait, that's, a, that's a wild story. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. a, a, a criminal story on one side. But, yeah, but that's a that's that, you know what that's inspiring though to me. I mean, I'm a I'm a big crispy fan. Um, oh, thank my you. My hunting boots are are crispy. I love them. Great product, but that makes me like them even more now after hearing that. Yeah. That's a little bit more wild, wild of a story than uh, having a buddy saying, "Hey, let's start this discount hunting uh, brand called Camel Fire." Yeah, <laughs> yeah no joke. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm glad that we had a good relationship because in the in the industry, because you know, think about it this way: if if other brands, you know, I own Black Hovis and Camel Fire, and Mark does too, and now we own the Crispy Distributorship, and we're asking competitors of Black Hovis and Camel Fire. Hey, would you like to buy these boots and and be a be a, a dealer? And we had a number of people that said, "Man, go pound sand. I would never do business mm-hmm. with my competitor." And we hmm. said, "Dude, no, no, no. You know, we're not offended. We totally get it." Um, and uh, but we, you know, it 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 helped. I'm glad that we had done done right by people uh, in the industry thus far, and and had created a way that it it was a good uh, kind of runway for crispy yeah. to really take off. And, and we love the brand. And of course we love the, love the Italians. I was actually supposed to go there this Friday, but, um, but we've had to postpone that trip just because mm. a lot of stuff going on right now with camel fire and black Ovis. But, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a great business and I love the boots. I mean, I love the product already. I, I was, a you know, wearing mm-hmm. crispies prior, but, um, it's been a fun ride, been a super fun ride. Man. Yeah. That it's sounds awesome. like, sounds like a crazy story and, and, uh, one that, has to be so much more rewarding too, to know that, like you said, you kind of trust your instincts there and your better judgment and did right by them and worked out for you in the end. That's a, it's a good feel good, feel good ending there from something that seemed pretty disastrous. Cause a lot of those stories that start out that way, there's not a happy ending. There's a, there's some kind of like a crusty halfway recovered ending, you know, <laughs> that guy and, stole my money and I never got it back, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know yeah. what he did with the money. I hope, I hope it was his father had his, his, his stepmother had passed away and I knew, I knew that he had, put his father in a, in a care facility and he was, he was getting chased by creditors and stuff. So hopefully it went to, to helping his dad, you know, or whatever, but I don't, people ask us all the time, would you sue him and stuff? And it's no, like we, nobody wins this, this you know, for, yeah. for a hundred K, you know, we're going to spend half that in attorney fees. It's, it's yeah. right for nothing, just for the ability to say, yeah, we were right. Well, we already knew we were right. Yeah. Nobody would. So yeah. I, I didn't we didn't have time to to try and do something ridiculous like that. So we just yeah. said, ah, we'll move on. No big deal. Yep. Well, awesome that awesome that you guys can have that perspective. You know, I think our world would uh heal a little bit faster right now if uh, more people would mm-hmm. would uh look at, at things like that. Um Yeah, people make mistakes and they do they do dumb things. So 
Yeah. It's like yeah. he just made a he made a dumb he made a dumb mistake and and uh, benefits us, I suppose. Yeah. In the end, in the end, it works out, right? It's true. So yeah, so, yeah. What a story! What a story! Well, we're kind of at the uh, the back end of our limit here for a hunt therapy episode, and so uh, kind of the the last thing that I really wanted to maybe cover in five minutes here while we uh, wrap this one up was um, talking directly to our first gen listeners here, and also um, uh, this could be a good word of advice for even our veteran hunting listeners. Uh, in fact, I uh, just uh, had a, a magazine article come out uh, for this month's issue here, the Iowa Sportsman, that was pretty much directed towards both audiences, which is, uh, you know, keeping your head straight during hunting season. Now that it's uh, coming up, uh, one of the things you got to be focused on are the things that you can control and the things that you can't control, which goes really nicely, you know, with the whole uh, uh, crispy uh, saga there that you just told. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> What a good theme, man. I couldn't even plan that. But, uh, you know, there's so many things that that we can control. And I guess what might be kind of cool here, the way to wrap this up quickly would be each of us kind of go around uh, and say maybe their one thing that that they can control that they work really hard at controlling when they're, uh, when they're hunting. And so uh, maybe to clarify, I'll go first here. What's to give you guys a chance to think about that. But the thing that I always try my best to control that I feel that I can control is um, not being detected. I spend a lot of time planning, <laughs> running mind movies, you know, while I'm at work or something. I'll be in the middle of like teaching a lesson, but like, oh, that'd be a really good access to get into that tree stand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm talking scent game which you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to beat the nose of a wild animal totally, but you can improve your odds. So I try to be smart about that, you know, be clean as clean as I can be and having a good access point where you're not seen or heard and playing the wind. Those are kind of the the three things, you know, and, and just taking your time. So you're not noisy, you know, all that stuff, just trying to control the, detection side of hunting. So my advice to anyone listening would be take the time to think that through. Don't wait till the night before. That's too late. Already be planning, be looking at those aerial maps, looking for those natural terrain features, turn on the topo map. Yep. Go back to your eighth grade science, earth science lesson that you learned on topographical maps or your geography lesson. Maybe you learned it in there and, uh, you know, use those terrain features to your advantage to help you with that and just do your best to control how undetected you can be. So that's my one control thing. Alex, what do you got? You know, I was going to say preparation, but I think you kind of took it away there <laughs> in one way. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and just end this one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, well, you, you know, I'm big on, on the fitness side of things. I think, uh, mm. You know, I was reading it. I was reading a post from someone on Instagram earlier today. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you can make all the excuses in the world of why you can't do something, which is like, oh, I can't lose weight or I can't work out because I don't have time. Uh, and, and to me, it's it's you just it's not a priority for you. 
if that's right. the case. But if it becomes a priority, you're going to figure out where that time is. And that's just with anything in life. Uh, so, so mine is, is definitely taking care of yourself because, uh, you will realize, uh, quicker than probably anything else, how badly you're out of shape when yeah. you have to, uh, drag a deer or, <laughs> yes. or pack out a deer. <laughs> uh, so, yes. so to me, it's, that's a year round thing. It's, it's, uh, it's the preparation of just being ready for your hunt. And that's like shooting working out you got to be strong enough you got to be healthy enough whatever it is but uh, take care of yourself that's that's your controllable nobody else going to do that for you love it yeah that's great advice great advice kendall what do you think what's uh what's your control <laughs> you guys both had really really good things to uh to add um and mine may not be as applicable to the midwest hunter um hey that's great but it, I, I draw, I draw this one based on my experience Sat, Saturday. I drove up to Wyoming and hunted with my daughter. Uh, she drew a, a rifle, uh, deer tag up there. And, uh, nice. and then I, I draw a little bit from a conversation I had with, with, uh, our marketing guy for black Ovis, Marcus, um, and some of his experience. So, so he hunted here on the front over the weekend okay. and bumped into some guys. Um, and, and he was, you know, kind of be friendly and the guys were just, like really kind not not belligerent but just not kind and and just mm -hmm. giving him the stink eye and like dude what are you doing here in our spot uh, mm -hmm. and, and on the reverse um you know i was with my daughter in wyoming and as we were hiking out we didn't see anyone all day but as we we're hiking out of this canyon here comes this guy with a you know he's got full camo and a headlamp and i told her i said hey make sure that we're really friendly with this guy because we're all hunters out here and I'm trying mm. to teach her. I said, we're yeah. all hunters and, and, and let's just, let's just be good examples of, of good sportsmen. And so we had actually the most just enjoyable conversation with this guy for a good 15, 20 minutes about his That's hunt. That's so he, cool. And so I think the thing you can control and this is attitude and the way that you treat others, even when, all of us would not, we would love nothing more to never see a single person hunting, but especially mm. here in the West, uh, as you know, you go in a common trailhead, the chances mm -hmm. are you're going to run into another hunter yeah. and, yep. and we have enough, uh, uh, people against us outside of the hunting world at that, uh, I think just man, have a good attitude and, and spread some, you know, some happiness when you do bump into those people and be uh, be good sportsmen to each other and that's uh, that's one thing you can control you can't control if the guy's gonna you know kind of give you the stink eye and 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 say and kind of you know grunt at you when you ask him how it's doing but you can't control <laughs> yeah. uh like what sort of attitude you bring to the situation uh when confronted with other hunters so yeah, there, that, yeah. that's mine so true. i love it i love it so that's true. it that's a great way to to close this one down and, um, you know, kind of bring everything full circle from the beginning of the show. I think that definitely echoes the attitude of, of, uh, Mr. Zach Pulaski, uh, who was very much so a giving person, somebody who wanted, who taught so many. I mean, when I went through and did that interview with, with his friends for that last part of that, that, uh, episode, um, so many of those guys said Zach taught me what I know about hunting or Zach, you know, got me into elk hunting. Zach took me to his, his, uh, honey hole, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so, uh, 
Dan, what a what a great way to to end this one. Yeah, don't be a greedy hunter. Be a be an inclusive hunter. Be a somebody who's willing to share. Somebody who wants to see more folks out in the great outdoors. So, uh, love it. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us tonight, Kendall. Um, make sure if you're tuning in, you do head over to Camo Fire and Black Ovis. Also, check out some crispy boots. Now you know the crazy story behind those. That's uh, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty uh, stinking awesome to be able to uh, you know partake there and and uh, be a part of that uh, long legacy, but new legacy in a way mm-hmm. uh, that that's come out of that. So uh, really, really a good story there. And then also make sure you head over to East to West Hunts at alexgruen.com. Check out everything Alex has. He just had that awesome, successful Arizona archery elk dream hunt that he just got back from and uh, still working out the schematics on getting everything back to Michigan from there. But um, yeah. Uh, he can uh, set you up with your own dream hunt someday. He knows everything there is to know about tag application, uh, points, lotteries, and all the other terms that I need to go refresh on, which means I'll text, I'll text Alex and be like, Hey, what does this mean again? (laughs) But, uh, but make sure you, uh, (laughs) it's true. I know, but make sure you, uh, you get over there, get connected with him. And then don't forget about our, our favorite, um, Delawarean, Mr. Brandon Martin, uh, who couldn't be with us tonight. Work is uh, kind of slamming him right now, but uh, head over to thehuntfishlife.com. Check out all that's going on in that great state of the outdoors. And uh, when you're done checking out all these other fine people, your last chore, head over to firstgenhunter.com. See all the latest articles. I put up a YouTube video recently, but I noticed a really annoying mistake at the end of my YouTube video that I made. Uh, see if you can catch it. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> when you're living on a hotspot internet, you know, uh, here in the middle of nowhere, it's kind of hard to like get get the old. Uh, uh, What's the highest quality on YouTube? Is it 1080 or something like that? HD quality uh, <laughs> video uploads on Hotspot. Man, I'd be a broke man by the time that baby uploaded. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, you'll have to check that out, see it. Uh, but more importantly than all of this, until we talk to you again, take care and take someone hunting. <laughs>